where family members, where therapists get very concerned is we're worried that the person is going to end their life. I mean, literally, there's some sort of threat that they're at the end. And it's very difficult for family members because they honestly don't know what to do. Folks, welcome to Counselors Can Help. Let's demystify the process of counseling. We want to remove barriers, answer your questions, educate, entertain, and inspire you to action. Folks, today we're going to get into a very important topic, suicide and suicide prevention. So the discussion will be centered around for yourself or a family member, just what to do, what resources you have to help this person and how to get to a safe ending to a scary situation. Next, we're going to talk about logic versus feelings. This is a very much a centerpiece into why people don't come to counseling. So we want to address that issue head on. Here we go. All right, we're back with uh, Counselors Can Help. I'm here with Liza Telford. Uh, already, I, like I said, the internet famous uh, Liza Telford. Obviously. Working here in northern Utah. Uh, I am a associate clinical mental health counselor, and she is a associate marriage and family therapist. Um, and we're going over today a uh, couple ideas on the show. The first is the idea of crisis or what to do or what that even means. So when someone says, uh, Liza, that the, this client or someone or a family member is in crisis, that generally means what to you? That's a really good question because even since my career began, that felt different to me from um, what I initially thought that meant to what I feel that is now. And I see it as a disruption of life now of they are unable to function how they were mm-hmm. prior to whatever that is. It might be just an hour ago or yesterday, but it is a state of heightened emotion um, on or something has happened and they are not able to function. Yeah. And where, where we get, where family members, where therapists get very concerned is we're worried that the person is going to end their life. I mean, right. literally there's some sort of threat that they're at the end. I mean, the, uh, and, and it's very difficult for, um, family members because they honestly don't know what to do. They don't know when they should interact or interject. So we're going to talk about that in the show today and give, give some tips, give some, some help there to help family members or help yourself uh, to a good resolution to this. So um, we talk about worried about self-harm. How does someone know when they're in crisis or worried about, or maybe maybe more aptly a family member know that they should step in? Um, one thing I learned about when I was uh, in school, which is kind of surprising, is there is no test or or a series of questions we can ask a person that actually tells us with any certainty whether they're going to take their life or not. Not with certainty. (laughs) There's Mm -hmm. no, that does not exist. There are ways, there are certain questions, there are ways that we, uh, as professionals, I guess, narrow it down. We try to figure out, okay, the the percentages say these are sort of some critical things, so Mm -hmm. uh, we'll get into those things. But a family member who's not trained in this would have, they'd have no way of knowing that. No. Other than a gut feel mm-hmm. of something happened, the person made a threat, uh, they have the means to carry it out, maybe they have a history of, of attempts, that kind of thing. So a family member would get the feel of, this feels dangerous to me. Mm-hmm. That's probably as far as they yeah, would Yeah, I think know. it is. That's what I call a safety check of, yeah. 
this does not feel safe or normal or something I've seen from them before. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess what I would tell people first off is to say, well, if you're worried about that, the, I guess the first thing that people are scared about is to even talk about it. Let's say the person hasn't threatened it, but they're worried that this is a thing. Should you bring it up to the person to Mm -hmm. just say that you're scared that they're going to take their life? Is that a bad question to ask? No, no. I think there is a general feeling that if I bring it up, I'm going to introduce the thought. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to make them, we're going to convince them them towards something. Yes. And that is not true. Yeah. No. If anything, it shows care and concern. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's been, I think this is one of these things that have been scientifically shown that talking about suicide or self-harm is not going to convince the person that it's the right thing to do. In fact, no, it's quite the opposite. opposite. I would say, because more often than not, suicidal thoughts are centered around the idea that, um, the false idea that no one would miss me. Or that's a common feeling of no one would know. And so just by the nature of bringing that up to someone diffuses that. Yeah. Of, I, I see that you're acting differently or I see that something is happening. I see you. I hear you. Yeah. No one would miss me or there is no solution to this problem. Mm-hmm. That the only solution is for me to step out because I mm-hmm. can't solve this somehow. I've tried. Mm-hmm. Don't have an answer. Um, and so that, like you just said, I like the way you said that, that starts a conversation then perhaps of, well, maybe there are answers or maybe suicide isn't going to solve this thing. And in fact, if you really think about it, it may make things quite worse in a lot of ways for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just seeing, I guess, like you said, the care that someone shows in you, the concern could be enough to convince that person well, yeah, maybe, maybe there's something I can do, mm-hmm. uh, to, to help the situation or someone allow someone to help me, I guess, if I'm the one making right. suicide threats. Um, so options, um, options for family members, I would say number one, um, like we just said, talk to the person, be with the person. If you're really concerned, I guess, and you don't necessarily know what they're going to do and you are concerned they could take their life. Being with them is certainly a great first step, right? right? Just being around them. Just being around tends to disrupt thought patterns. Yeah. And saying, Hey, I'm worried about you tonight. Why don't you come over to our place or we'll, you know, we'll, we'll figure out a way that we're going to get through Mm -hmm. the night together and we're going to do it with you. Mm -hmm. You know, that that is a massively powerful thing right right there. Right. Uh, And, and, no, no words at all is probably the least helpful. Yeah. Nothing. It almost confirms the idea that mm-hmm. no one does care. Mm-hmm. I am, I am an afterthought mm-hmm. if that's what they're part mm-hmm. of what they're thinking. And is. I think that's especially for families or caretakers. I don't want to presume. I don't want to, you know, push them towards that. I don't want to, um, be overbearing. I don't want to step on toes. And I think that's a pretty common feeling for family members and friends of somebody whose behavior is feeling crisis-like. Yeah. Maybe I'm making too big a deal of this. Right. Maybe this isn't a real thing. But certainly if the person has threatened it or is threatening it currently, well, then kind of the cat's out of the bag at that point, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, now now it is trying to, 
uh, calm the person down or make them feel that um, we do care. We, we do we have care. a solution mm-hmm. here. We're going to work through it together. Um, failing that, or maybe the person is a long distance away. You just don't know. You've lost contact. Haven't called. Generally, they check in. Now they're missing. The you know you're worried. Mm-hmm. Signs point to something is wrong or could go wrong. I guess the first obvious places are you can call nine one one, right, and just say, "Here's the deal." Yep. I don't know. I don't know. You can always call a local police department for a well check mm-hmm. for anyone. Yeah, which is them just showing up. Mm-hmm. You just saying, "Hey, here's the deal. I don't know." I haven't here's heard from them. Here's typical behavior I have by now, and I haven't. Yeah, and they'll send a squad car over <laughs> to just see, you know, is the person okay? Yep. Um, and that's again, if you haven't, you've lost contact somehow, or or you know, when you're help you're using the police to help mm-hmm. in that case because you just don't know and you're you want to find them okay but you don't really have any good answers to all the good questions about where they are or when you know what do you think they're up to that kind of thing um okay so if the person is with you another option i guess is the sort of the obvious seems like a little bit of a blunt instrument but a person with suicidal thoughts you yourself having them or uh, a family member or loved one, you can bring them to the emergency room, right? Straight to the right. to the hospital and just say, here's here's what's going on. And they're going to know. You don't have to know the exact place to take them or the right place or whatever. They're going to help you out with that, right? Right. An emergency room is, um, is a safe bet for just resources. Yeah. They could start that conversation and they'll know some basic questions to ask, mm-hmm. right? To, to assess what are the percentages here? How high of a threat is this? Um, maybe the person does need some sort of therapy help most likely, but assessing like what is the right level, where to, mm-hmm. where to enter uh, the program here. Um, so they're, a, they're a, a definitely a good place to start. Uh, they have things right there on hand. If the person, maybe it's just a matter of... Um, uh, some medication would help mm-hmm. currently. I mean, they're right there. They're ready to do that. If they, if they assess, that's what, that's, what's needed. Um, another resource that people I think would look over certainly are these crisis lines or mm-hmm. self-help like a suicide hotline for the first obvious thing, right. Is, is, is talking to the person who is suicidal, right. That's kind of the first obvious mm-hmm. thing that they do. Um, they know how to do that. They know how to assess, how the person is. And then if they feel like, okay, the person is in real danger, we want to get help to them. They know they're connected to that, right? Mm-hmm. They know, they know how to contact the sheriff's office, the local police, the, what's the best local hospital. Mm-hmm. They know how to get the person talking about this. Do they have any resources to help them? Is there a family member they could reach out to? I think they know how to have those conversations mm-hmm. with the person. Yeah. Uh, creating a I don't know that they call it on the hotline a safety plan, but essentially walking through someone what a safety plan is yeah, and just getting them talking and reaching out to their resources and giving them ideas for ones they may have not thought of yet because they're in crisis. Uh, But I think a suicide hotline can also be helpful for the family, the friend that is not sure what to do. Absolutely. And to call themselves and say, hey, I have this friend or I have this family member. Um, I'm not sure what I can say. All those feelings we just talked about at the beginning of um, what not, you know, what can be the wrong thing to say. A suicide hotline can help with that, too. Yeah, they're trained in all this stuff. The resources, who's around locally, where are you? 
what's near you. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, a family member can call up and say, I don't even know if, if I'm overthinking this, is this, you know, whatever. And so they, they know how to walk through that. Certainly. Um, I guess the other, the other thing too, is if, if you do think, okay, I do need help with this, that self-harm or a suicide is a thing I do need to get help with. They also know where to go after that, right? I mean, they're, they know the local resources to say, okay, once you get through tonight, where do you go from there? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're another great resource to say, okay, here's what we have. Here's where we live. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you recommend? You know, mm-hmm. what, what should we do? And so mm-hmm. they could help again, yourself or a family member walk through that. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's, they are totally knowledgeable about this subject start to finish. Right. Resources in general yeah. are helpful. Yeah. So uh, the point is to to let people know that it's not just about the person who's thinking about suicide calling in, that those, those, lice, those hotlines are a very good resource to get answers to, to some of these, I don't know what to do uh, questions to, for yourself or mostly, I think, for a loved one. But I think people are just, they're afraid to call. Right. You know, it's like, they're afraid, oh, this doesn't warrant calling us or no, no one's going to lay down on you because you're worried about a family member and you just don't know what questions to ask no. or, or to even begin. Right. They're going to no. help you. They're going to help you. Um, and get you to, to what that person needs. So um, lastly, so uh, I guess a good conversation there of just letting people know there's more resources available for suicide or suicidal threats from a family member. Um, uh, we've also put a link into counselorscanhelp.com to address this as well. So we'll put some of these uh, notes and things like that on the website as well. So if you lose track of this conversation or just want to reference that in the future, you can use that to, to help you as well. Folks, in today's helping segment, we want to teach you how to find a counselor. The first and most obvious place people turn is an internet search. If you want to get a more specific tool for that and a, I think a better tool, go to counselorscanhelp.com. Click on the link, I want to find a counselor, and we'll put up some tools there to help you uh, with your search, either locally or nationwide. Primary Care Doctor is also a good place to start looking for a therapist. They have some names of folks they have dealt with over time and can give you some good recommendations there. Friends and family are never a bad place to, to ask. Generally, people have good experiences. They're willing to pass those along. Employee Assistance Program at Work is also a great place to ask. There may be specific work requirements that you deal with or specific things you're worried about in your profession or field, uh, your employer may have a great line on some therapists. Another resource, since people think about or are afraid of how they're gonna pay for these services, is your insurance company. You could give them a call and see what therapists they work with in the local area. The last more scary scenario is certainly if you or a loved one are really in danger, physical danger of harming yourself. 911 is a great place to start for that, but there are more specific resources you can do generally in your local area. There are crisis hotlines all over the nation. Give them a call. They can work you through the initial crisis of what's happening, as well as generally they're very knowledgeable in the local area. They can help you with resources to get the help you need. Ultimately, we're trying to make counselors can help a great resource for you to quickly and efficiently get the help you're looking for. All right, folks, welcome back to the second segment of the show where we're going to talk about logic versus feelings. Liza and I will get into 
just how this applies, how this actually does help you, especially in therapy, change your outcome, change your life. And we're going to give a little hint here on how we would change the world. I often say, who teaches you this stuff? Mm-hmm. And there's usually a blank stare and, and, and a response that sounds something like, no one. Mm-hmm. And like, well, that's kind of what we're here to do, to work on these kinds of things mm-hmm. that no one has bothered to talk to you about. No, we, we spend a lot of time learning pre-algebra, algebra, calculus, and not many relational classes. Yeah. Or, or just how to handle stress. How to or, handle stress. Okay, uh, uh, next part of the show, we're going to address uh, a topic that is in some ways kind of a weird uh, subject, but I think you and I agree that it's at the heart really a lot of about what therapy is about, and this is the idea of logic versus feelings. Um, the old joke, you know, the therapist saying, how does that make you feel? Mm-hmm. You know, we all roll our eyes and, <laughs> and go, geez, what a you horrible. You can't even use that swear word in my house. <laughs> right. That, that phrase has been totally that ruined. It's totally it's, it's, ruined. It's totally been banned from therapy. Uh, <clears throat> but there is an idea of this is an important distinction. And the reason we're bringing it up is many people will not come to therapy thinking that well, my problems are all content. It's all people around me doing stuff, things that have happened to me, things in the past. These are all kind of logical time pieces in my life or things going on. There's no way me talking to a person is going to help change any of that picture, that this is going to be a giant waste of time, essentially. Oh, how wrong that is. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're non-believers. Right. Uh, Yeah, so... Well, let's get into a couple examples of what that would look like. I think the first example we've talked about with you on the show is is couples. It's like, yes, and I think you've said before, there are things that we we will try to work through together, but it's really not about that stuff that you're coming in to, to do, right? No, right. It's not about the content so much as about someone's process. And process is an emotional thing. How do I feel about what that what does that mean to me what does the way my spouse rolls their eyes what does that say to me how do i feel about that and once i understand that maybe they have sand in their eye like there is a little bit wider <laughs> wider depth to yeah. the way we communicate and interact if we will give ourselves the the time to process yeah. feelings behind that yeah there can be a lot of just like you said process and that meaning how do you go about this? You know, what's a way to ask questions? How do you start a difficult conversation? I mean, there can be a lot of just those kind of uh, tips and starters that you can get into in couples therapy that help you resolve the hard stuff, mm-hmm. right? You'll, you'll actually get to it, but you don't get to it by saying, why do you always, or mm-hmm. how come <laughs> every time I, this, you know, whatever, all those kind of standard ways that people start that fights generally ensue because they started in a bad way. Right. And it well, wasn't, if you really want to start a fight, then definitely start with why. Yeah. Why do you do this? Or how come we always that? Or uh, those kind of things. So for a couple, the logic versus feelings idea is to say, we may not logically sort through what exactly has gone on with you. We, we think we'll get to that eventually, but we're going to start first with kind of a feelings lens because we want to get into 
the pattern that you discuss with each other and how to avoid, I guess, getting sidetracked by, by the feelings that come up, the emotions that come up, how to, how to have answers for those in those hard conversations. I mean, is, oh, that, a, is that a good way to say it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, because feelings is such this trigger word, I try to go for the meaning. What is the meaning behind something? You know, it came out like this, your logical brain is thinking this way, but there's meaning behind that. And meaning doesn't seem to be as triggering. <laughs> um, so sometimes not replacing the word feelings, but um, having an understanding of what something means to our partner, to our partner or to a, mm -hmm. a family member can be helpful in understanding, oh, that's why they think about it this way. Yeah. This is perhaps we've been fighting over the same thing for five years. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is why we never get anywhere with mm -hmm. this conversation. Mm -hmm. a, a third person can enter this to say, have you thought of it this way? Or what is the, what do you see the meaning behind the way they respond to that? Or let's get into what that, what that means mm -hmm. so that, so that we don't read each other's mind, mm -hmm. I guess, in a bad way or, or degenerate to the same old arguments that we've always had. Right. And I think there is this common feeling that, and I think we talked about it in the couples podcast, that men are logical and women are emotional and feelings-based. And the actual truth of the matter is you have an upstairs logical brain and you have a downstairs emotional brain. And it is, it is safer for a guy to say he is logical than to say the feelings or meaning behind something. It is safer for a woman to say uh, the feelings behind something because we've practiced it differently. Okay. Stereotypically, of course, there's crossover in both, but in actuality, we can be logical and emotional. We can do both. Yeah. And that's a great balance. Okay. And, and what you're learning in couples therapy, I think we've talked about it is now when this person does say this thing that generally sends you into an emotional state or gets you angry, you're trying to learn, okay, my typical response to that has been this. Right. I'm trying to learn this new response, which hopefully with a third person in the room will get you to see that it can end in a different way. Right. It doesn't have to end the same old way, that there's a new way to take this. And, and you have to learn to manage your feelings in that moment and not let that get too big or get, get in the way of, wh of what you're trying to communicate, mm -hmm. I guess. So that's one one logic versus feelings idea. The first obvious one is couples or family. M much of what you're trying to solve is a feelings thing that's essentially getting in the way of solving the thing in your own house. Mm -hmm. um, just through the way that uh, you fight or just old history of, of how things have gone. Um, so I'm curious, Meryl, actually, of how you see that in the logic versus feeling in an individual session. Yeah, I was just going to switch to that individually. Um, I see it a lot. I think even like even anxiety or, de or depression, people want to think their way out of trouble. They, right? they figure that, okay, I'm going to, this thing is causing me anxiety. I'm going to figure out a thought that is going to make sense and, Bring me to the promised land, if you will, of, of calm and, and I'll have I'll have the answer for this. And really what that winds up in, in can be years of the same old thought pattern mm -hmm. of 
Because eventually when you don't come up with the thought that makes you calm, you start thinking, well, there must be something wrong with me. With me. I have some kind of defect mm -hmm. that is that is stopping this whole thing. And now I have to figure out what that is. And I don't know. Or maybe it is this thing. Or maybe it's something that happened to me long ago. The, the tendency in that case is to get wrapped up in this continual thought about how I'm going to fix my problems. And what this, what this I think leads to is a thought that, well, a person who's in therapy obviously is weak or they, mm -hmm. they don't have the mental capacity to think their way out. There's something obviously wrong with them because they went to therapy in the first place. Right. They have a, a character flaw, mm -hmm. if you will. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, don't you think that mm -hmm. stops at least some people. people from mm -hmm. coming? Right. It, that we talk about on day one. <laughs> <laughs> it says something about me that I'm here. Mm -hmm. And it's not a good story mm -hmm. in, their, in, their, in their mind. That's the narrative, mm -hmm. right? Um, and we don't believe that, no. right? I mean, what No, I, I don't believe that. I often, I mean, it's going to sound cheesy because I know that a lot of adults are listening to this, but <laughs> I, um, I work with a fair amount of teens and I talk to them about the in Hogwarts in Harry Potter, oh, okay. how there was a room of requirement that when the kids um, in the castle needed, I don't even know which book it is, but when they needed to learn a new spell or something to help them they were stuck with or that that, this room would appear in the castle. And I treat therapy like that, that it is not mm. that you that you are broken or that you don't have all of this capability. You just need to learn something new. Yeah. or to do it different, or to see it different. And instead of coming in and seeing that I'm broken or there's something wrong with me, but maybe I just need a different perspective. Yeah, or just a, learning a skill. I often say in, uh, in, in these rooms, who teaches you this stuff? Mm -hmm. And there's usually a blank stare <laughs> and, and, and a response that sounds something like, no one. Mm -hmm. And like, well, that's kind of what we're here to do. That's what we're here to to work on these kinds of things that no one has bothered to talk to you about. No, we, we spend a lot of time learning pre-algebra, algebra, calculus, and not many relational classes. Yeah. Or, or just how to handle stress. How to or handle stress. What is a basic thing like meditation? Is it spooky? Is it, you know, can it help? What's it for? Um, just dealing with emotion in a way that just like we mentioned for the couples, when I get anxious, I tend to do the following things. I tend to withdraw. Mm -hmm. I drink alcohol. Mm -hmm. I don't go to work. Uh, I mean, I uh, rage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Rage. I'm person. People can usually almost always come up with a long list of things that I do when I get to this emotional state that I don't like. Mm -hmm. And at the end of that emotional state, you're left with, well, what's, what does that look like? And usually it's not a pretty sight either. Um, well, I wish I didn't do this. I feel worse. Uh, when I get mad, I wish I hadn't done that. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the question is left, well, why do you do those things? If it, if it never works out for you, why do you do them? And, and the answer is something along the lines of, because it feels right at the time. At the time. It's, a, it's an emotional answer to a problem that in the moment feels like I should drink. I should isolate or not talk to family members or, or leave the house because Escape. I don't want anyone to see me in this state. 
um, all things that we would not recommend as therapists that you would do with anxiety, <laughs> right? I mean, right. would you recommend to people, hey, go off by yourself and sort this out? Well, <laughs> it feels like there's lanes of, you know, there's lanes of coping. I call it like freeway lanes. Mm -hmm. There's distracting, which might be your slow lane. All three lanes going in one direction will get us from here to St. George, but we can distract or we can reduce or we can eliminate. And that, and the closer we move to eliminate is that fast passing lane of like, how do I eliminate an anxiety? Well, it's not walking away from it. It's not distracting ourselves to numbness or to blackout drinking or to just raging against someone, but how do we actually eliminate? And it usually comes back to working through the feelings mm -hmm. or the meaning or um, finding resolution. Yeah. And when I, when you say work through the feelings, what I typically go to is we're trying to do a new thing while working through the feelings of, well, before we drank or we isolated, well, instead we'd like to say, can you go for a walk? Can you get some exercise? Can you um, get present? Maybe have a conversation with a loved one. Can you, I mean, there's a lot of, there's probably a long list of things they'd rather be doing. Mm-hmm but they just can't seem to move in that direction. So therapy, part of the magic of therapy with feelings is to say, how do you learn to do those things mm. that you know you should do or want to do? Um, they seem logical. And in the end, you wish you would do them, but you just can't seem to get yourself to do them. What's, what's the holdup here? Mm -hmm. And usually it's some sort of emotion that is blocking, that is blocking. the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And to get you to do those things takes some time and practice. I mean, it's kind of like the couples thing in the room, right? It takes walking someone through, okay, this is how you would discuss that. Or when they do that, and that makes you feel this way, what are your options here? Mm -hmm. Which one would we want you to choose? And what would that look like? I think in, individually, it can be very much the same thing. Um, I, I tell people with anxiety, Many people come in to think, I'm going to get rid of anxiety. Um, but really, you were, instead of getting rid of anxiety as a concept, what we're going to do is get you to live your life again. We're going to do all those little things that you stopped doing. And eventually, anxiety will kind of take care of itself. I right. mean, there's a lot of ways to do that. Um, there's a specific um, an example I had. Uh, we were just talking before the show that I just had a client who was dealing with a logic versus feelings situation. And mm -hmm. the situation is, and she gave me, when I told her that we were doing this podcast, she got very excited. <laughs> She'll know exactly who she is, um, that I would mention this. And I, and I think it's a, a great example of, so a, a person has been um, in an auto accident and she had a lot of injuries from the auto accident mm -hmm. from, from a while back. Mm -hmm. And it was a really hard time for her of, um, um, just things that happen in her life personally, um, the med the whole medical scene of dealing with that brain injury, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And it was not a fun time for her, mm -hmm. a very dark, very dark time. And it's taken a while to get work through that. And now we're at the point of it's time to send documents that document all this stuff to attorneys or insurance companies. And there's just a lot of tasks mm -hmm. that she has to do. Mm -hmm. Can't do it. Has the documents in hand, cannot 
put the person's name on the email and mm. hit send. Logically knows the steps that need to be done. Right. Logically can make the argument of why it should be done. Mm-hmm. It totally makes sense. These mm-hmm. people are trying to help me. Mm-hmm. They've asked me for this stuff. Why can't I send it? Why don't I send it? Mm-hmm. I'm being hijacked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that's what, what we did was work through, well, what... One is, okay, let's recognize that this is going on, that it is a feelings thing. It's mm-hmm. not a logic thing. It's not a logic. You haven't solved it logically. The logic, because she said, no, I haven't tried to solve it logically. And I said, no, you have. We just did it. You just told me I should be able you to send this. Put the name on the email. <laughs> you know exactly where to send this. You know exactly the document. You know exactly the reasons why you should. You can't get yourself to do it. That's the logic, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, the feelings is, I don't know why I can't do it. Why can't I send this thing? Um, and then it gets into, well, I always procrastinate or, you know, whatever, but ultimately I think it comes down to this thing that I'm being asked to do is bringing up a feeling that I don't like. And I don't like, that's the thing I'm avoiding, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. not the logic of don't send stuff to attorneys or or don't send emails to mm-hmm. people with my personal stuff on. Mm-hmm. I don't like how this is making me feel having to do this thing. Right. How to solve that. Um, so you may ask, how what did this did turn out? <laughs> yes. What did I recommend? I'm sitting here <laughs> waiting. Yeah. And so I, I dealt with this before. I've, I've had a couple of clients with a similar thing where they have literally come in day one and said, this makes no sense. I'm, I cannot get myself to do these basic things and I'm going to lose my job because I can't do something simple like hit send on emails. Mm-hmm. Um, and in all cases, I've kind of gone to a phone a friend mentality. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to use um, this and resource. And that is, there's probably someone in their life that could help them with that. Mm. Because when I asked the question today, what if a friend did that for you and like literally showed up, took your documents, whatever, went to the UPS store or whatever it is, hit send on the email, would you be fine with that? And she said, yeah, I think yeah. I would. I'd, I'd be totally fine with that. So I said, okay, well, one, I think maybe you ought to invite that friend over who's been reminding you uh, for a while to do this thing. And I think that friend would, would help you. Uh, to do that. And I think that's a great way to get through, to break the log jam um, of the feelings. Again, this is trying to learn to do the thing and while you're still anxious about it, right? Even though the friend comes over and is going to hit send on the email, there's still going to be anxiety, right? Right. That this is wrong or bad or, or, or what, what have you. But in, in helping a person get through that, they have to do the task somehow. There's no way to build up to that. There's no way really to build up to, I'm going to put the document on there and then I'm going to think about sending it or what. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a pretty straightforward task. There's not much to practice really in my, my opinion, maybe there are. Um, so I just said, Hey, maybe the thing of just uh, bringing the friend over to help do that one will kind of eliminate that. I can't do it now. You know, mm-hmm. they're here to do that. And second, when they do hit send and it is an emotional experience, the friend is there. Mm-hmm. The friend can actually help mm-hmm. you like get through the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she said, I that's right. That. That's what friends do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I love that. Yeah. And so phone a friend. Yeah. And, 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 and so in this example, 
I'm not trying to find the easy way out necessarily, but we've got to get you the, 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 the strategy is to get you to do the thing, even though you have the hard feeling. Mm -hmm. And when you've been fighting that for weeks, months, years, chances are you're not going to just go home tonight from a good pep talk by me and, and just start doing all <laughs> oh, those come things. come on. It's what therapists dream of. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I could totally, I'm sure they'll walk out the door they'll totally out the door. on cloud nine and get home and just do it. Um, but I thought, and I think having a friend there or a spouse, and I've done it before with a spouse of just saying, okay, can you, can you farm out these, some of these tasks? Can you give them to someone mm-hmm. to see that, the world won't come to an end when mm-hmm. they do the task. Can you mm-hmm. see that the the thing you're thinking about that's stopping you, they can do for you and mm-hmm. can help you get through that and help you process in the moment um, those hard feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of is another another I guess example of how we can in this case it's a just walking you through it. Yeah, process and you could you could argue okay that's cheating. We're getting someone to do it for you. But really, we're trying to solve a problem here. Well, you're dealing with the emotion. Yeah. By and having, by setting yourself up for success. Yeah. Of sitting in it. I know this makes me anxious. I don't know why. It doesn't make my friend anxious. So I'm going to give myself the support. I think that's pretty self, that's advocating for yourself. Yeah. Working through it. And I think it probably maybe increases your friend. You might mean something about your friendship. Mm-hmm. You're reaching out to someone and they're feeling like they're actually doing something that is in fact important. I like it. Um, so anyway, that's a, 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 another way of saying, what is this logic versus feelings? How is this done? How is this important? Um, and what can a therapist do? Um, because we're often stopped. And in this case, it was a anxiety and in some ways a, a trauma story. I think the trauma of something happening can stop people from going into, say, a Walmart or some store of some kind. Something happened where some trivial event, which you would now say is, it's not logical that I can't go do that thing, I can't go to that crowd, is now an impossible task Mm -hmm. for you. And the logic of, I should be able to do this, is not carrying the day. It's not solving anything and so that's what i guess what therapy can do is provide that that voice to say okay i'm used to dealing with feelings and logic and actions how can i help you mm-hmm. tie this thing together so that the feeling doesn't get in the way in the future mm-hmm. and so that's that's it's what we do we, we're not we're not coming to this um new we're we're allowing you to have the feelings we're not going to talk or beat the feelings out of you. I mean, I think, I think, I think that's another misconception people have is I'm going to go to the therapist and they're going to teach me how not to be anxious. Mm-hmm. Right. Do, or you, do you have get that rid of anxiety? Yeah. Do you have that skill? Mm-hmm. Do you, do you have no, that? I wish we do talk <laughs> about that. I think I might have a Harry Potter obsession of, okay. of Harry having a, just a wand that I know you want me to be holding a wand that I am going to take this away. But I try to help change the perspective of what ang- that anxiety is preparatory, that we can use anxiety as preparatory for, um, I know this thing is coming. And how do I prepare for it? 
instead of seeing it as only negatives that keep me from doing things, but seeing that it can be a preparatory emotion. Someone's been asked, someone has asked me to give a presentation, anxiety ensues, and that is essentially having, giving my body the sensation or the um, signal that I have time to prepare for this. It is, anxiety is helpful in that it keeps me from walking in the middle of the street. There is something alarming in my brain saying that is not safe, but we label it as this, this is bad. Yeah. This feeling of, (gasps) or this anxious feeling that we want it gone from us forever. But really we need that feeling. Yeah. There's some degree that's healthy. And I guess where it, where it goes, where it goes wrong is the person has equated that anxious feeling with bad and only getting worse and only getting worse. And we don't having a magic wand that eliminated anxiety from our lives in general would also make us quite numb <laughs> Yeah. to the world around you. Yeah. Anything preparatory or anything, um, uh, anything of feeling. Yeah. And so a person may be asking, well, if you're not going to get rid of my anxiety, what are you there to help with? And it's back to this logic feelings discussion. It's we're going to help you learn, relearn that the anxiety isn't your enemy, that there's a way to manage it. There's a way to react to it in a way that's more productive, get used to doing that versus those old things that you've done, which has been avoid giving public mm-hmm. speeches, mm-hmm. drink your problems away, um, mm-hmm. any number of things that people do with anxiety. I'm not getting on a plane again, which means I can't go to weddings. I can't, you know, go to that Travel. great, great thing in Cancun mm-hmm. that my family is planning. You know, there's all kinds of ways that anxiety get in front of your life. And we're going to teach you to just modify that over time and work with it in a way that when it does come up in the future, you're not overwhelmed or feel like you have no options, Mm -hmm. that the only option is to avoid this or that Mm -hmm. thing that's causing anxiety. And that's what's led to this idea that anxiety is a torturous evil Mm -hmm. that has to be eradicated. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Right. In all costs, by all costs. (laughs) This is a really a place where people get caught up, I think many times and keeps them out of therapy. And we're trying to show in a few examples of how that's not the case. It is, they're exactly linked, tied very tightly in therapy. And we can actually work through that quite well. Mm -hmm. Um, With a little bit of time, we can, we can help solve that uh, and make it so the, the feeling does not interfere with your life. Our mission is to spread the word that counselors can help. We want to teach you how to get started and get the most out of therapy. We encourage you to reach out to a professional in your area to help yourself through a loved one. Thank you to Kelsey Fink, our production assistant and chief of technology and social media. Thanks to Aspire Counseling at AspireUT.com for their support. If you want to know more about how counselors can help, go to counselorscanhelp.com. We have lots of resources, information, and we update it all the time. Views expressed on the show are those of myself, my guests, for the benefit of mental health discussion and are not the views of any outside organization. We'll see you next time on Counselors Can Help, a production of Merge Publishing.